Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Ready to form Canarchy. Activate interlocked. Dinotherms connected. Infracells are up. Mega thrusters are go. Deep Elum and Perrin form feet and legs. Cigar City and Three Weavers form arms and body. And Oscar Blues forms the head. Go Canarchy Collective! Okay, maybe we went a little overboard with the Voltron joke, but it does seem appropriate for this brand of brewers who have some of our favorite beers. It's Canarchy today. So, while we might not form a blazing sword, we'll at least have a drink. Have a drink. The show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Still still no Casey. Still no Casey, but that Voltron intro brought me so much joy. Man, you know how much fun it is to like start shouting these things, knowing the neighbors are in the hallway going, What the hell are they doing there? Uh Yeah, no, I watched way too much Voltron as a child, so I could get most of that from memory. I had to, I had to look up a little bit of that. I had to go I watch like, the intro you sent it to me, but I had to get the cadence. Like I was like, I, I watched some Voltron growing up, but it wasn't like you know my jam. So I had to get a refresher. Someone's seen the new I one would, on Netflix. I have. I've also watched that. Is it good? Uh, starts good. It's about like three or four good seasons of six. Hmm. So all right. Uh, on the whole it seems to be good then yeah just at a certain point when you start stop losing you start losing interest in the the thing it's like maybe it's time to stop (laughs) yeah but it's it's still pretty fun uh it's fun uh so we this is weird because it's a time travel episode uh these happen occasionally uh there's been another one So, I guess Drinking Games was a time travel episode and it wasn't brought up, Uh, but this is a time travel episode, so we are currently, while this is out, we're homeless, and I'm living in a hotel in Danville, and Brittany's living with her sister. (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize you were having to live in Danville. I'm so sorry. The, The sprawling cityscape of Danville. I, I can pee from one end of, An- of Danville to the other. It's a lot bigger than Mount Sterling. Look, I don't get well. to go fancy places for work like uh, some people we know. I, I go to Danville. I have a different boss now. And, I'm never going to fancy places for work again. And, and Mount Sterling. 
Even Emmett laughed at that one. <laughs> He's like, in fancy places like Mount Sterling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dad, Daddy's just crying himself to sleep. Technically, it's... the only fancy place I got to go was Philadelphia. Mm. Were you born and raised? <laughs> Not in West Philadelphia. No. Where I got to have authentic cheesesteak, and it was amazing, actually. Still super He's jealous like, of that. Isn't there cheesesteak? Uh, it's cheesesteak. Isn't there cheesesteak, like, cheese whiz cheese, or is it? Yeah. Uh, no, you have to go to, like, certain places prefer that, and certain places don't. The one I went to did not have the cheese whiz. Some do cheese whiz, some do this weird jar liquid stuff. Or is no, that some just do, call? like, regular ass, like, the white. Slices. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. The place I went to was good, what to say. My... My thought would be, why pick? Why not just go through all of the cheeses you have and just blah, melt it? See, that's me when I go to uh, Penn Station. That's me when, I said, that's me when I make grilled cheese. I oh, gotta... do you have some Have some pepper jack and some, uh, I don't know, Colby? Just put those together in one sandwich. This is going to go good. After having that fancy grilled cheese at um, uh, a, a local bar here, I don't think I could ever have a grilled cheese again without Gruyere on it. Oh, yeah. Because I'm not spoiled now. <laughs> it's like the best haven't, cheese. Haven't you done well? Gruyere's good. Havarti means it's time to party. <laughs> mm. So creamy, soft in your mouth. Just just right. Just, just. I was speaking of, of overly decadent food that should be simple. Um I was telling my boss about the the modern rogue episode of uh, where they make the 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 Big Mac essentially, mm. like they they hand make yeah you know all that they they, they hand grind their their oh, yeah. their meat and all that and I started explaining it. he goes like it's just a Big Mac it is but they do everything individually they like, oh I want that but without all of the work it takes to make it yeah. It's like it's oh it's just a Big Mac, but it looked amazing, <laughs> like yeah. actually homemade sauce and like ground like grinding the beef your damn self, mm-hmm. your damn self, your damn. Self. All right, and uh, right here is where we would uh, put in our news segment. But again, uh, it has its own show now, and you've not had it for a week or two. It'll so be back. It, it's coming we, back. We just. We just need to all be able to record to, yes. to do it. Otherwise, it's just the Bob show, and <laughs> don't no one want that. Yeah, and it will be back with 100% more Casey. Uh, all shows will be with 100% more Casey. And we know it's what you've been clamoring for. It, it, it's, what, it's what podcast listeners crave. Mm-hmm. Apparently, since everyone keeps asking me about it. <laughs> I don't know. They, they need someone with like actual input. Makes me feel like the hash brown on the side of this whole platter. Yeah, but that means I'm, like, poorly made grits on the side of the platter then. Mm, man, I'll take grits however they come. Poorly made. The microwavable made, The microwavable cakes. ones. Like, I I don't care. Grits are grits. I like them. Mm. But uh, speaking of grits, I believe <laughs> we have a topic. Been on that truck. Seeking bastards. Been on that truck. Been on that truck. I dare that... anyone to defy me on on the transition. If you can find a way, no, no. I, can that just be our 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 segues from now on? <laughs> just whatever the hell's uh, in my speaking head. Speaking of medical marijuana, now into what we're drinking. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, so that, right. that's I actually just, relatable. But 
I was just hearing we're not that drunk, and I had to take a deep breath of like. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, spoiler: we've recorded like three episodes in a row. We are that drunk. It's been a while since we've done that, yeah. and it didn't end well la- that time. So last, yeah, last time I think we talked about this before. The last time was Prohibition, and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone remembers about how that third Prohibition episode went, <laughs> or at least you, you tell, all do. You, we don't. You can tell about halfway through the second episode. Uh oh, words. Oh, they've hit the tipping point. <laughs> words start. Yeah, words start being slurred and. It's, it's not good when, when you're trying to read from a script and suddenly the script starts, like, doubling and tripling in front of your face. The script turns into a giant lizard that takes you through <laughs> Candy Crush Mountain and into Kumquat River. <laughs> I had a different experience than you guys. I don't know. I, I Apparently. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get on to the topic. Founded in uh, 2015, Can Arky. I have to say it that way because it's capitalized in the can. <laughs> capitalized in the can is the name of <laughs> something. You're too drunk to make a reference. Uh, it's the name of my Sir Mix-A-Lot cover band. There oh, we go. Oh, there you go. Uh, anyway, it's a disruptive collective of like-minded brewers dedicated to bringing high-quality, innovative flavors to drinking in the name of independent craft beer. I can't take anything seriously when I see disruptive in front of it. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. I watched too much uh, Silicon Valley in the first couple seasons. <laughs> the good seasons. Yeah. yeah, like, we're here to disrupt the, and we're here to change the world. That's what every one of you say. Wasn't that one of the joke? That was the joke when they were a at- joke in the first episode. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the portfolio of craft breweries is partially funded by Fire... Yeah, Fireman Capital Partners. Uh, Fireman being the uh, like CEO of Fireman Capital Partners. His last name is Fireman. I can't. Oh. Re- I'll stop my. I should have. I should have put it in here. It's like Dan Fireman. That's weird. <laughs> and you're like, what? Well, you know, Cooper is the last yeah. name of someone whose whose family way back when made barrels. I don't know what Fireman used to do. <laughs> Either burn just a things weird down one. or put fires out. I'm not sure. Anyway, this includes uh, Oscar. Oh, pardon. Oscar Blues Brewery, Perrin Brewing uh, Company, Cigar City Brewing, Squatters Craft Beers and Wasatch Brewery, Deep Ellum Brewing Company, and Three. Oh, Three Weavers Brewing. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I I ate and drank. Don't eat and drink, kids. It leads. Oh wait, <laughs> leads to living. You don't want lead. that. <laughs> well, in 2018, Canarchy was ranked number eight on the uh, uh, Brewers Association's list of top 50 craft breweries ranked by sales volume, having produced 421,222 uh, barrels. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's what BBLS yep. is abbreviation for. They were voted Craft Brewery of the Year by Brew Brown in 2018, and the collective provides craft beer to 50 U.S. states, Washington, D.C., and parts of 17 countries spanning five continents. I like to imagine one of those is just Antarctica. It probably is. So it's like they won't they won't send it to like Australia. They're like, no, nah, it's too much work. Antarctica, I can get there faster. It's insane if you look at the numbers from like from 2018. I think uh, all but like two of the members of 
uh, Canarchy are in the top 50. Like, and yeah. they're up there. They're not near the bottom of the list. Like, they are all cranking out great beer and selling a ton of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's entirely thanks to the collective, but that certainly helped them. I mean, at the very least, being able to get your stuff in 50 states don't hurt. Yeah. Well, let's take this Voltron of craft beer apart piece by piece, and we'll talk about the breweries that make up the collective because resistance is futile. <laughs> Look, I just liked referring to it as the collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Oscar Blues was founded by Dale Catches. Catches? I was, Catches. I was thinking it was like Cassadish? No, because my old boss's name was Cassadish. I'm like, no, ca- I, I have no idea. Say Cages. We'll just say Dale. Refer to him as Dale. Because again, no, the... we can't call him Dale. Because then all I can think of is King of the Hill. Well, just think Dale's uh, Oscar Blues Dale Pale Ale. That's Dale. Right. Just think the Dale Pale Ale in Lyons, Colorado. Oscar <laughs> Blues. Sorry, I'm doing my best Dale impersonation from King of the Hill, and it's not great. Pocket sand. Uh, anyway, uh, found in Lyons, Colorado, and Oscar Blues Brewery uh, launched. Craft beer in a can apocalypse with their hand canned flagship, Dale's Pale Ale. The way Cage's uh, success has played out in Lens uh, is equal parts accident and inevitability. It was a fluke that brought him to Colorado in the first place, but once there, uh, his restless creativity and energy made it uh, made it all but assured that he would do something special. Uh, Dale and his wife had decided to move out west after graduating from Auburn University. The couple made a fateful decision to move to West River, Montana. Uh, after seeing an article outside uh, in Outside Magazine about the outdoors lifestyle and mountain biking scene there, uh, they loaded up the van and set out, but only made it as far as Boulder. Before they went, don't know one live in Wyoming. I ain't going there. I, I like or to Mont- think it was a lot like um, from Christmas Vacation when, uh, when the cousin eddie shows up and they're like gas money give out and gurney uh well once we realized that thousands of bucks uh that we started with ran out in boulder uh we said you know what we'd better get some jobs yeah when you run uh, out of money and you're trying to make it to montana uh, yeah yeah you're only in colorado yeah you're still still a good ways away yeah you're not close well, uh, found jobs they did. So Casey's got two jobs in Boulder, working 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Madden Mountaineering, making high-tech uh, custom backpacks, then riding his bike to his bartending gig at Old Chicago on Pearl Street, which started at 4 p.m. Uh, nice and sweaty by the time he got there, I'm assuming. Yeah, ready ready to make those pizzas. Uh, during his commute on the bike path, he occasionally uh, smelled the familiar aroma of brewing beer. Uh, Kacich, a home brewer in his college days, followed his nose to find the source. Follow your nose! (laughs) Yeah. Guy named Gordon Knight, whose uh, high uh, high country brewery uh, was on the cutting edge of the now uh, widely popular Big Hopped Beers. Can I just Uh, say real quick that it hit me today, I'm really missing the smell of being in a brewery right now. Just, I want to smell the malt, I want to smell, I want to smell the mash. I'm just like, oh, I, I want to smell it while I'm drinking a cold beer. It's so like Asheville, here, here, Asheville did something to me. Here's here's my recommendation. Go get sushi, load up on some wasabi, clear out the sinuses first. 
Because I, I, I recently had sushi. If by recently, I mean like 20 minutes ago and put too much wasabi into a bite. Oh, oh I can't eat I wasabi. Just, I was just there. Oh, 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 I can breathe through both nostrils. Oh, oh. I can barely do horseradish. Like, I, can, yeah. I cannot do wasabi. I don't do. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, I don't do either. Daddy don't uh, do either. Ah, uh, but then once your nose is clear, then you go into that brewery and go. <sighs> your nose turns into a giant uh, toucan beak, <laughs> and you just find your way to where you need to be. You follow your nose. Follow your nose. Uh, anyway, uh, the two struck up a friendship that helped Kendall case its desire to do more brewing. Uh, but when he decided to start his own business in 1997, a brewery wasn't part of that picture. He always dreamed of opening up a restaurant, brewing on the weekends, he said. Uh, he and his wife maxed out four credit cards to start a southern-style restaurant in Lyons, or Lyons uh, north of Boulder, where they had just bought a house. Man, just up to their... Up, Drowning. Up there's, to, no, there's no up to anything. That, up to their hairline and debt. That debt is over their heads, and they're looking up, and they can barely see daylight through all that debt. <laughs> Uh, Oof. Deep, deep, deep in the under depth. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that is horrifying to think about that much debt. And you're like, oh no, we're going to make it. And you're just like, glug, glug. It, it, it was the 90s. You could. Yeah, yeah you could. Uh, anyway, uh, Kasich named the, Osc- uh, the restaurant Oscar Blues after two friends he had met on a bike tour. Uh, Oscar and Old Blue. You my boy, 19- Blue. You my boy. <laughs> in 1990s, uh, Cases turned his home brews into beers to serve on the tap at his restaurant, and ter- transforming Oscar Blue's basement to the first incarnation of the brewery. Soon, people were coming to Leon uh, to Lyons just to sample the famous ale. I keep wanting to say Leon, and I'm like, that's I don't think that's right. Making it fancier than it needs to be. <sighs> Look, I grew up in Kentucky. My desire is to make everything fancier than it needs to be because we have Versailles. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to make up for Versailles fair. and Louisville. Completely fair. Uh, anyway, with, uh, people would come just to sample the famous ales, which had begun racking up awards. Knowing he was on to something, he decided to start packaging the beer to sell bef- uh, at retailers. Uh Kasich stayed true to his to the spirit of his anarchic innovations, and it became uh, came time to distri- uh, distribute his beers. Back in 2002, as small craft breweries always put their beers in bottles, aluminum cans, meanwhile, were only used by the big boys uh, and reviled by the beer co- cognits. I don't know what that word is. You got me. Uh, Cognoscenti? Cognoscenti. I'm not saying it's it, it's a non-weird word. I'm just saying it looks like cognoscenti. 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 People who are considered especially well-informed about a particular subject. Oh, well, see, we just improved all of our vocabulary today. We, we haven't figured out how to pronounce it, but... We know what it means. <laughs> uh, actually, uh... Google! Cog- cognoscenti. Okay. Uh, Do we want to back that whole thing up and try again with that cut out? No, no. I like. I feel like we just leave that in. Okay. Uh, Kasich did uh, did the unthinkable by putting his microbrews in cans, 
promoting a collective gasp in the beer world. <gasps> Someone properly protecting from light? How could they? <laughs> Besides the naysayers, the uh, can experiment hit some rough patches in the early days when the beers were hand canned. Uh, two at a time in an old barn across from the restaurant. Restaurant down by the river. Uh, Oscar Blues had recently started shipping uh, to markets beyond Colorado when disaster struck. The crew was loading a huge truckload of beer bound for Georgia. Uh, Cases remembers the amount of beer and the size of that truck could make or break our company. He said, "As the last pallet is going out of the uh, on the truck, I noticed one of the cans seems start are leaking." I look to see if the other ones are leaking. It was 2,000 cases of leaking cans. $40,000 worth. Ooh. At a time when we weren't even selling 40000 a month. That that hurts. Oh, But it, they caught it. Like, they could see it, and they he was able to, you know. They had to pull all their cans off the truck and destroy them. Missing the shipment and con- infuriating the company's distributor. Uh, Cassius call, uh, called it a fetal position in your closet, crying, going, what have I done type of experience. Oh, man, I cannot. The He was just eating Tums. That's all. His diet was Tums from that point forward. That's, that's all he ate. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was Tums. He says, but we've grown by our screw-ups. Uh, after that, you can bet they had quality control measures to ensure that the cans were properly sealed. Uh, today, Oscar Blues Breweries in Colorado, North Carolina, and Texas, uh, featuring Dale's Pale Ale as the number three top-selling craft can six-pack at U.S. supermarkets. That seems very specific. <laughs> I mean, when you got the numbers. The number three top-selling craft can in six-packs at U.S. supermarkets. Not at liquor stores, but at supermarkets. And uh, what was it we learned before about uh, the ranking of supermarkets in the sale of craft beer is actually pretty high. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's not. I just thought it was like a very specific number three. It is. Anyway, Oscar Blues is available nationwide in the U.S. and in over 20 countries. Mm, Can you name 20 countries? (laughs) Let me sing through the Animaniacs song. In my head. We're, I said, we're from America, so probably not. Um, another quick note on that one is uh, Oscar Blues coming soon. Or no, wasn't Oscar Blues, was it? I don't remember. I've, look, I've been through a lot of breweries information, so I'll just pass on it. Uh, I, the next brewery, which I wish there was more information about, I'm still infuriated, actually, that there's no more than like a tiny paragraph anywhere. Of actual information oh. about the next brewery. Okay, can I can I at least we can pad time there with how the name should be pronounced? Are we just gonna do the oh three yes. three weavers? weavers. <laughs> so yes, three weavers brewing. Uh, three weavers brewing company is an independent craft brewery with a mission to build a positive sense of community through the collective passion for craft beer. Founded by Lynn Weaver. In 2013, Three Weavers is one of the largest independent craft breweries in Los Angeles County. Talk about those weird... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Although, I was also going to say, founded by Lynn Weavers <laughs> in 2013. And currently expanding production and distribution on the West Coast, led by award-winning brewmaster 
Alexandra Knoll, uh, Three Weavers Craft Beers, have received critical international acclaim, winning a World Beer Cup gold medal in 2016, a GABS silver medal in 2017, a European Beer Star Bronze in 2017, and the Australian International Beer Awards Best IPA and Champion International Beer in 2018. Three Weavers is proudly brewed in Inglewood, California. And that is all I can find anywhere about them. Uh, I could You could find a few things from too far back. Like, you can find things from, like, the year they opened. But there's not really a whole lot about what they're up to. It, like, it's not really talked about. They have... It was founded by and uh, presumably still run by uh, women brewers. And Which? no one's really talking about it. That was never brought up I, anywhere. I don't. I don't ever see them anywhere. No, so me I, either. Uh, I don't think they get distribution a whole lot outside, like this far into the Midwest or East Coast. Which, right? But you know, I'm just all I'm saying is they're. Well, they only have the one location, but like, it's like they're part of this thing. You think they could be able to send some out this way, but some of these, probably not their main market. Yeah, some of these uh, operations are relatively small, uh, especially when they joined. There's a few of these that were only in existence a very small handful of years before getting bought up and joining the collective. Uh, resistance was futile. It is. Uh, I had a, at a moment where I had to stop and think. I was like, "Wait, Inglewood? Is that where? No, that is not where the O.J. Simpson murders took place." I don't remember. It could be uh, Brentwood. Ah, okay. All I, lo- I I looked it up because I was like, "Wait, is that right?" Because if it is. I'm going to laugh real hard. But. All I remember is the thing from Pulp Fiction when they walk into the bar. He's like, our man in Inglewood. Yeah. That, that's the only way I ever remember Inglewood. That or from, like, 90s rap references. I was right. going to say the uh, the California song. Yeah. Tupac mentions it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, our next brewery is another one that we'd actually talked a little bit about in the news. Uh, this would have been last year, I think. It may have been pre- just before a new show I, it, it's all fuzzy in my head deep ellum brewing in 2011 deep ellum brewing company set up shop in the you guessed it deep ellum neighborhood of dallas texas the first craft brewery to open in dallas in over a decade since i wasn't going to guess that at all i didn't know that neighborhood existed <laughs> since then deep ellum has become as well known for its innovative brewing and exceptional quality as it has for its healthy disdain for the status quo like like the notorious neighborhood it calls home, the brewery is bold, fearless, and unapologetic. Sorry, it, now that I know it's in Texas, I'm just picturing Alamo beer. They're missing a real opportunity if they do not have that as a beer. Right. The, uh, so, like the notorious neighborhood it calls home, the brewery is... Uh, the idea of blending in was never part of the plan, at the bar or on the shelf. Uh, upon the announcement of joining Canarchy, Deep Ellum took a lot of flack locally, but they were in a tight spot financially. Like, they took so much flack that when you try... I'll wait, I'll wait. Go ahead and uh, Google Deep Ellum Brewing History. Just Google Deep Ellum Brewing and tell me what you get. You get, like, nine pages of angry articles about them selling out. That's effing all you get. You go to their website, they don't have crap about them. Like, there's nothing about them. They have, like, a blog page thing 
which is just basically archive tweets. Yeah, apparently people were not happy about them. Uh, <laughs> people them were pissed. But if you dig into this about how screwed they had been. Oh, so um, what led up to all this is uh, they had initially, after initially agreeing to purchase a majority interest in fast-growing Deep Ellen Brewing, storied craft breweries. This is the story that we uh, talked about last year, the year before. An upstart growth capital group backed out of the full investment, saying it had altered altered its strategy in light of slowing craft growth trends. It was supposed to include a 56% stake in Deep Ellum and $8 million in growth capital. Instead, storied craft breweries only purchased 24.5% of the company. The Deep Ellum, and that left Deep Ellum with just a million dollars to expand the business. In an interview uh, with um, Brewbound, uh, they, one of their founders said, uh, it left me dog paddling. An expansion shouldn't take a year and a half to complete. Nope. So, yeah, they had already begun work, and then suddenly their capital's yanked out from under them. And the, the other person's like, yeah, we, we gave you that much money, and we can't get out of that, so we're still going to take just under a quarter of you know, control of your company because we already gave you that much of the money to start this expansion. And uh, they're, they're basically left holding the bill. For this expansion, like, their whole tap room and breweries, like, just half tore down, half, you know, something else. And uh, in the midst of all this, some of the article, I didn't include it in our script, but it was just something that comes to mind. They talk about, in this position, like, because they are massively growing. Like, there's a huge demand for their beer, and they're not able to meet it. So that's the reason, obviously, they're going for a bigger space. To meet that demand while they're in this weird transition, they were brewing forty-five or forty-four to forty-four times, forty-four to forty-five times a week. Jeez, that's okay. That's 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 actually kind of nuts. Yeah. Or... So they had to something had to happen. So after that deal fell apart, Deep Ellum turned to private loans to finish their expansions. But within a few months of the deal with Storied Craft Breweries, uh, they began talks with Oscar Blues and officially joined the collective in 2018. I mean, well, I understand it's it you know people getting upset about someone selling out. They get to continue making their beer, which I assume is why they were doing this in the first place. Yeah. So. It was basically they were in a position. They're one of those breweries. They're in a position that look. We want to get more of this. There's obviously the demand. We want to make more beer, and they start through the process to get all this going, and then they get screwed by their first set of investors. So they're like, forget it. We'll do it all through private loans, and then realize, oh crap, <laughs> that's going to completely yeah. tank us. And it's kind of like a white knight that Oscar Blues came in here and were like, hey. Let's let's get this get this burden off of you off of you get you in business shipping beer. All it requires is your firstborn and the entire stake of your company. <laughs> uh, well, but you get to continue making beer, which is the important part. Yes, uh, and they are to this day still uh, still in their nice little deep Elm community, and deep, a deep lot of their, their beer. A lot of their beer is being brewed off-premises, but that's like distribution stuff. Yeah. So, uh, next brewery in our wonderful collective is a very well-known one, especially in these parts, Perrin Brewing Company. 
Randy Perrin, co-founder of Perrin Brewing Company, uh, in 2012 with high ambition after more than 20 years spent making souvenir clothing. The day we opened, we were the fifth largest brewery in the state of Michigan. The day they opened. Michigan's not not short on the number of breweries they have. Indeed. (laughs) And we really didn't know what we were doing, said James Haney, an engineer who worked at Perrin Brewing Company and doesn't drink beer. Hmm. Perrin uh, was with the brewery, like their founder, Randy Perrin, was with the brewery less than three years before it joined the collective in 2015. Uh, The preceding year, it brewed 12,000 barrels, seventh most in Michigan. In 2016, the brewery produced 23,500 barrels. And for 2017, the goal was 30 to 40,000 barrels. Uh, helping fortify its position in about the top five of Michigan's more than 300 brewers by volume. Oh, oh my. Starting out big and selling out relatively quickly, Perrin Brewing is an oddity among Michigan's largest craft breweries. Most of them have been making beer for at least a decade, and many are owned by longtime brewers uh, driven by passion for good beer. Randy Perrin in 2012 told MLive, that he was a Bud Light drinker and wanted to make beer that appealed to similar palates as well as craft beer drinkers. That's a that's a hard needle to thread. Yeah, he had he had the thought, let's make a local beer that would compete against the big boys. That style and all that. Uh, this was from uh, Keith Klopik, president and co-owner of Parent Brewing Company. He built a beautiful brewery here, did a good job. But that wasn't really what craft's about. <laughs> No, uh, it sounds like uh, it, it. So my my initial instinct when I hear all that is just I feel like he was just heard. You know what? Brewing's a good gig. Yeah, it's really people weird. Will bu- people will buy you. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in the game very long before it happened, and as soon as the company was purchased, he would he pieced out. Yeah. So, but they do make amazing uh, amazing beer. If you can ever find it. It's gotten a little harder to find, but um, no rules. It's a Vietnamese cinnamon porter they do. Oh. And it has uh, Walter from the Big Lebowski. You, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. You have no rules. Talking about right. Nam. And... Anyway, uh, no rules is an excellent beer if you're able to find it. I haven't had it in a couple of years, but it has, oh, every time I find it, it is delicious. Mm-hmm. But those are those are the smallest breweries involved in the collection. Oscar Blues? No. Well, okay. It's... Parent Deep Element. Three Weavers. Yeah. Yeah. I can see. So so the next few uh, the, or the next couple, yeah, you're you're probably slightly familiar with. Yes, indeed. Uh especially since we've discussed this next one quite a bit. Uh we've discussed beers. them and they are because they just got into our distro. Mm, yes. Also because they taunted me with a beer that I could never have again. So, if that wasn't a giveaway, uh, the next cr- uh, place is Cigar City. Makers of Highlai IPA and Hunapu's Imperial Stout. It was founded in 2009 by Joey Redner with the goal of creating world-class beer that reflected the flavors and history of the Tampa Bay region. Tampa native Joey Redner founds, founded Cigar City Brewing. I can't read anymore. 
found Cigar City Brewing in 2007 after holding a sales position with Dundon Brewery, whatever that means, Mm. uh, Florida's oldest microbrewery, and a beer writer position with the Tampa Bay Times. He hired Wayne... How do I get that job? Right? Yeah. He hired Wayne Wambles as his brewmaster in 2008, and the pair brewed the first batch of Cigar City beer, a batch of Maduro Brown Ale, on January 30th, 2009. Cigar City's head brewer, Wayne Wambles, grew up in a small Alabama town where craft brew craft beer was scarce. I'm sorry, Wayne Wambles just sounds like a comic book character. <laughs> it does. Uh, not not a good comic book. He's like a sidekick. Yeah, easily. Uh, one no, day, no, no, no. A, lit- a litter of names means you're either the love interest or the main the guy. hero of your, or possibly villain. Uh. He's got to be like the the Shaggy or Scooby version, then, <laughs> like the cowardly one. Oh, yeah. Wayne um, Wambles, come on. Wambles. The Wambler. <laughs> um, one day, a hurricane kept Wambles and a friend inside for three days, and they passed the time by, what else, drinking beer and playing cards. Uh, it says, I realized beer is really good. <laughs> well, no. I've got nothing to do. We're all out of water. The pipes don't work. We've got to find something to... Well, there's beer. <laughs> um, all right. Redner borrowed $800,000 from his father and some other family members. Can, can we Ooh. stop for a Who's second? Whose dad has that yeah. much money? It says, and some other family members, but still. The, the the Wambles Empire, like, they must be into some stuff. I think they're super villains is what it is. Yeah, like, they, they, they founded uh, uh, Whamcorp. <laughs> uh, they're trying to thwart Florida-based superhero Florida Man. <laughs> oh, God. That's not hard. Um, all right. They leave little little tracks of meth throughout the streets of Florida <laughs> to distract him from doing any kind of good. And he's like, "Oh, meth, jeez, or bath salts." Oh, it's too. Good. Um, all right. Cigar City proved popular with the locals, and Redner was able to sell one thousand barrels of beer in his first year of business. Since two thousand ten, Cigar City has released Hunapu's Imperial Stout every March with a large beer festival to celebrate. Uh. Each year, over 5,000 beer fans attend and uh, attend, and brewers from all over the world have poured their beer at the festival. Attending the... Am I saying this right, by the way? Hunapu? Hunapus. Sure. Hunapu. Okay. Uh, attending uh, the Hunapu's uh, Day Festival is the only way to acquire bottles of this imperial stout. Uh, the adjunct-laden 11% ABV stout gets its name from Mayan mythology. Hun... Hunapu was tricked and killed by the dark lords of the underworld. I like to think of that, like reading that, I'm going, no, there's a reason they capitalize dark lord. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that might be some of the what they're they're playing with with this whole thing, mm. because what's a competing yes. uh, over-adjuncted Festi- imperial stout with, with its festival? festival. <laughs> does, does this beer taste of soy sauce? No, no. Uh, Hunapus is delicious. I mean, Dark Lord's delicious if you give it a couple of years. Right. Which shouldn't be a thing. Uh, so, um, so yeah, Hunapu, his corpse morphed into a cacao tree, obviously, which eventually right. impregnated a maiden who birthed his twins named Hunapu and oh, Belonk? Je- Bel- uh, I'm going let's with Let's go Belonk. with uh, Je Blanc. Sure. Uh, the hero twins avenged their father's death and became the moon and the sun. You know, that's like, cool. like happens. Like, like you do. That's, <laughs> I mean, how, how else were you conceived? 
And they eternally smelled great because they were from the cacao tree. Uh, in 2013... Their, cir- <laughs> their circumcision left left nibs. <laughs> so- wow. <laughs> That's... Wow. Uh, <laughs> Too good. Sorry, I can't laugh right now. Uh, in 2013, Cigar City and restaurant group HMS Host debuted Cigar City Brewing in Tampa International Airport. The first craft brewery in a North American airport. So, huh. yeah, the craze was started by Cigar City. That's well, good like, for them. There's a lot of firsts on the breweries that are in the collective. Like, you have Oscar Blues with the first canned Damn. craft beer. You have Cigar City doing the like what became a trend with the airport brewery restaurants. Yeah. Um, so, the... Uh, the operation was remodeled and relaunched in 2018 with two bars and an extended menu. The brewery includes a three-barrel system with a special batch brewed each month that's only available on site. In addition to the Airside C Brew Pub, a second Cigar City tap room opened in Airside F in 2017. Cigar hmm. City Brewing joined the collective in 2016 and has seen amazing growth. They've released a report in October 2018 showing nearly 61% year-to-date growth, making it the fastest-growing brewery among the Brewers Association's top 50 craft labels. Its success is largely due to its positioning in the Canarchy Craft Brewing Collective, uh, the 10th largest craft brewery in the country. The brewery attributes its growth to an overhaul of packaging design, uh, the release of its ultra-popular Highlight IPA in 12 packs, as well as 16-ounce cans, and the introduction introduction of a new year-round offering, oh, Guayabera. 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 Citra Pale Ale. More on that later. Yes. And then, um, this, uh, yeah, finally, uh, the one last... One we're familiar with. Yes, the last one's in the uh, collective. I'm glad someone is, because I ain't heard of it. What? I don't think so. You've had their beer. You've been it. No, the next one. Okay. You've been uh, to the uh, brew pub. Just. All right. Uh, so Wasatch and Squatters, um, Utah famous. Uh, so where's the beer? Oh, <laughs> it dawns okay. on him. Squatters Sorry, brew that, pub. The name didn't. The name didn't stick with me. Apparently. <laughs> Um, okay, so, quote, where's the beer? Where are the breweries? Those were among the first thoughts Greg Scherf had after moving to Utah from Milwaukee in the early 80s. Look, it's it's the <laughs> thought whenever you go to Utah now. Mm, indeed. <laughs> Not a lot has yeah. changed. Right, but I just like the idea that he left Milwaukee in yeah. the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And went, mm, let's head on down to, what is going on? Uh, they're just standing in the corner reading Bibles. What's going on here? Stop this. Drink right now. There's no spunky middle-aged women working in breweries here. What's going on? <sighs> How are you going to make it? <laughs> Incredibly, drinking and brewing were all but forbidden. Greg took matters into his own hands and did what any self-respecting Midwesterner would do. He started a brewery. Wasatch. It's, it's truly the only way. Yeah. Wasatch was the very first brewery in Utah and one of the first craft brewers in all of the U.S. Brewing or brewing award-winning brews since 1986. Again, that's another, like, I keep wanting to hit this point that a, a lot of the breweries in the collective have been doing a lot of great things and some of them for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
1988, Greg Scherf proposed another bill to the Utah legislature making brew pubs legal in Utah and opened the first brew pub yeah, brew pub at the top of historic Main Street in the resort town of Park City. Hmm, where have we heard that? Uh, Wasatch continues to misbehave, <laughs> turning out naughty beer after naughty beer year after year. Yes. Wasatch now has an outpost in Salt Lake City and a pretty robust distribution of their ales covering a swath of states across the Rockies and the central U.S., and venturing as far south as Texas and east as Louisiana. So, um, if you listen to the our first episodes, we uh, became associated with Wasatch uh, through the Polygamy Porter. Mm, at Nertacular. Right. At, yes, yes. The first time we went to Nertacular because it was, that was pretty much the only, you could get Sierra Nevada and Wasatch beers. And they mm-hmm. had two Wasatch beers. Mm-hmm. And the Polygamy Porter was the only dark beer. It was a good. It was a really good porter, actually. It was smoky. It was robust. Oh, what I'm. What I like to think, though, is that when they say like these naughty, uh, whatever, I'm just picturing them going like finding ways around the the you know percentage thing for their beer, like yeah, putting a lid on top of your beer. Here now, it's a closed container. No. <laughs> so if you guys remember when we were there uh, last in Salt Lake, they had the. Uh, Crowlers were the big thing that they were selling mm-hmm. to go, and they had a huge doppelbock that was like sixteen percent. And it was like people on the mountain were randomly stopping us to go. Oh, you gotta go get one of these things; it'll get you smashed. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm on a mountain. Of course it will. Yeah, but it's so the names of a lot of their their beers. You've got the Evolution Amber Ale, which has a great label. The, the Devastator was the that doppelbock. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. the uh, polygamy porter. You got the polygamy nitro porter. What else we got in here? Black lantern nitro. Well, not all the names are really. Oh, the, the snowbird session IPA is now a thing. Like oh. they just mm. straight up have a snowbird beer. And it's got a picture of one of the tram cars on it. A session IPA sitting at snowbird would actually be just the best thing. First one down, winter warmer. I miss snowbird. Is what I'm saying. I was going to say we drink that. Drink that session IPA on the way up the tram. Mm. <laughs> Ghost Rider White IPA. So yeah, uh, that's, I was about to explode when you were like, you you hadn't heard of these. I was like, we sat in their brew pub. <laughs> I no, when you said, I was like, wait, did we? When? And it was slowly dawning on me. I was like, oh yeah, yeah yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the uh, only place you can get a beer above four percent in true. Salt oh, yeah. Lake is in that brew pub. Well, except for. Uh, well, you could get it at uh, at Uinta, Uinta if you didn't. But they had to. You had to crack open their beer. Yeah, you get a bottle, and then yeah, uh, people find ways around things. Um, in two thousand, Wasatch Brewing uh, merged with Squatters Craft Beers. Squatters started during a business trip. Jeff Polychronus and Peter Cole, business partners long before Squatters Pub Brewery became to be had frequented brew pubs and noticed that they seemed to be the place to be a lot of, uh, to god the place to be for a lot of locals so after a year long pub crawl visiting more than 40 brew pubs through the, throughout the west and with a swill a swallow and many nights of appreciating great beer they decided it was time that salt lake had a brew pub of its own squatters pub brewery opened in downtown salt lake city on september 5th 1989 by 1994, considerable demand existed for Squatters beer from restaurants, hotels, bars, and resorts, which resulted in opening a production brewery 
to bottle and keg their brews. Jeff and Peter opened a second pub at Salt Lake City International Airport in 2002. As well that seems as, after Cigar City opened up theirs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as well as merged their microbrewery operations for draft and bottle production with Wasatch Brewery, uh, creating the Utah Brewers Cooperative. So they were part of another collective before this even happened. Yes, really. the cooperative joined the collective. Yes. Uh, a third. It's not how it goes for the Borg at all. I know. Okay, <laughs> I was the one who suggested the whole Borg thing. <laughs> like while he was writing it, I was like, eh, "This is just the Borg." Um, a third squatters location opened in Park City in 2006. Salt Lake Brewing Company now operates five brew pubs, a wine and ale house, and employs over 500 individuals. Combined, Squatters and Wasatch Beers have won more than 100 awards at national and international beer competitions, including the prestigious U.S. Midsize Brewery of the Year Award from the Brewers Association in 2010. The Utah. Sorry, a weird, it's a weird award. The U.S. Midsize Brewery of the Year! It is, yeah, it's very specific. Uh, the Utah Craft Brewers Co op joined the collective Borg in 2012. Resistance so, was futile. So to clear up any confusion about the airport thing, Cigar City opened an actual brewery at an airport, not just a restaurant that serves beer. Which is like <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just the Taco Bell Cantina that sells beer. Exactly. The, the, they brewed it. They brewed a specific beer on site on a small pilot system. Whereas everywhere else just serves beer and food. They're like, no, we're gonna brew it here too. The uh <laughs> Uh, the Taco Bell Cantina that brews beer. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. That uh, makes their own tequila. I don't know. They give you food poisoning. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, let's slip into what we're drinking since we had a lot of choices. Drink with me, friend. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to put my stuff in there in a minute, but I am drinking the... It's oh, a, it's a, you've not put it in there yet. Uh, I'm holding a baby. <laughs> um, my arm is numb. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, but I am drinking the uh, selection from Oscar Blues, and it is um, <coughs> bless you. It's called Old Chub Scotch Ale. <laughs> she oh, had her choice. She had her choice. She went for the Old Chub. I mean. But it's pretty good. It's not the best scotch ale I've ever had, that's for sure. But it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I just wanted something like... For some reason, I was leaning toward like, oh, we just ate, so therefore I have to have dessert. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like a slightly heavier option Des- than the uh, IPA. Desserts on the way. Oh, that's true. Well, either way, so way. It, it's a pretty good scotch ale. Again, not the best one I've ever had by a long shot, but pretty good. I think uh, Bob beat us to some dessert there. I can I can oh. see it. What he's what he's <laughs> scribbled in. I don't have anything. Hold on. Uh, it's eight percent ABV. Eight percent ABV. She's saying for hers. Sorry. Uh, also eight percent for mine. Okay. I was trying to find that somewhere because it didn't seem to be on the can anywhere. But anyway, uh, I you're doing a tasting in a minute, so I do not have. I decided not to drink something. From the collective because I didn't happen to have it in the fridge. What I did have in the fridge mm-hmm. was some uh, salted maple 10W40 oh, from Highwire. 
Uh, it's an Imperial Stout. It's at about 8% ABV and has a beer advocate score of 3.81 out of 5. That's out of 7 total rankings. <laughs> only 7 people have rated it. It's not been yeah. out long. It's only been out a handful of weeks. Yeah. Uh, still pretty new. Uh, I will say it is... I Decadent, wish all Imperial rich. Stouts were, were quite this good. Oh, yeah, uh, that's what I want to hear. Because mm, it has it has that uh, – you get the maple on the back end, but you get a little bit of like – because it's that that Imperial Stout. You're getting chocolate, but it's like like <sighs> salted chocolate, like chocolate sea salt, that kind of – Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm picturing not, a brownie with a good drizzling of caramel, and you can see the big, big salt flakes on the top. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it makes me think of. Uh, but mm. it's like you're using dark chocolate because it's nice and earthy. Because it, again, it's an imperial style, but it's not just there to go. Hmm, you wanna wanna rub your tongue in some uh, some topsoil? No. Brittany no? sitting there. Brittany okay. sitting there with a big hashtag lady boners. <laughs> she's just there going that's like everything why, why why not me that's everything she's ever wanted uh no it's 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 pretty great how about you chris what have you been having all right well uh i guess i teased it earlier i am having the guayabera from cigar city it's a citra pale ale it's coming in at 5.5 percent so your ibus are 50 you know middle of the road here uh, traditional throughout Latin America, the Guayabera shirt combines style, functionality, form, and tradition in its four-pocketed design. We at Cigar City Brewing feel the same reverence and appreciation for the Guayabera that we do for the Citra Hop varietal, an ingredient that imparts notes of tangerine, lime, and berries to its traditional American pale ale. The exclusive use of Citra Hops in this beer creates a flavor that at once uh, unique, recognizable, and its dry, crisp character and moderate alcohol make it all refreshing and functional as a crisp linen guayabera. So it has a beer advocate score of 4.07 out of 5. So that is pretty high rankings there, and it is mm-hmm. really good, refreshing. I, I, I had seen it. I think they sell this in 15 packs. I understand why. You could, like... <laughs> When it's hot out, if you're on like a summer camping trip or just spend a day out at the lake, you could buy a, just a ton of these and just crush them. Oh, good and citrusy, nice, light, crisp, refreshing. Very much so. All right. Well, you know what else might be refreshing? I don't know how refreshing it's going to be, <laughs> but let's let's get into a tasting of uh, something from the collective here. So this is one of the few uh, canned barrel-aged stouts you can come across. <laughs> this is Oscar Blues Barrel-Aged Tim Fitty. Oh, let's crack these. Yeah, I like the uh, Oscar Blues puts their barrel-aged stuff in. They call it the stovepipe cans. There's these big, thin cans. Like It's a regular 12-ounce can in its diameter, only it's like two cans tall. So instead of looking like the big uh, pint cans, which are big and fat, these are just stay nice and nice and thin. Oh, oh, that pours. Oh, that dark head. Mm. I gotta wait because that 
that it headed somewhat aggressively. So I'm like, all right, calm down. That's what she said. Calm, calm the hell down, beer. Smells of barrel. Wow, it's just, it's so dark. So impossibly dark. Smells, smells of barrel and booze. It does. Smells super boozy. Oh, yeah. Chocolatey. Some roasty coffee. I'm getting, uh, maybe I'm just mashing boozy and whatnot, but like a, 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 or maybe it's the caramel and, and some of the other flavors, but like a, like a, like a, almost more like, like a chocolate marshmallow yeah. kind of smell. There's something mallowy definitely about it. I'm, mm. get, I'm getting toffee. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. That is, that is an entirely different world from, from the tin fitty. So the Tin Video is an entirely different world from the uh, 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 10W40. <laughs> oh, like, that is a, there's like there's a, a rich, smooth chocolate. It's like a smoky hint, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. But not like a not like smoke, but like a something was burnt in a good way. Like yeah. a roasty? Roasty. Yes, that's a word. Uh is very much like roasted coffee and it, chocolate, and it's it's so thick and coats your tongue, but not in a like cloying way. Mm-mm. And it's, it's not too sweet. <laughs> Usually, barrel aged stuff is starting to turn me off lately because it's so sweet from the like a bourbon barrel. No, Brittany, you barrel all the things. Well, well, some... We're we're we're, we're going to get our barrel aged seltzer from Founders. <laughs> okay, yes, but um... I think you're hitting it with the the toffee, like that toffee note cuts through. Like all the harsh sweetness, really well. Yeah. No, it's delicious, and um, that's fantastic. This is my f- the first beer I ever had from Oscar Blues was the Barrel Aged Tim Fitty. Well, that's starting off strong, isn't it? And I've still only yeah. ever had three beers from Oscar Blues: uh, Barrel Aged Tim Fitty, uh, Death by Coconut, and the Hot Box Coffee Porter. Hmm. I've had Death by Coconut, which which I am a fan of. Yes, sounds uh, fine. This... Death by coconut. This is death by barrel and chocolate. <laughs> this this one was brought to me by Jim, wasn't it? Like him. It was. Like going out of his way to go, no, Bob, you have this now. And I went, yes, I do. It is it is amazing. Like the first time I had it, uh, I had it on a draft. And I was just Ooh. like, oh. It was, a, it was at um, um, Dark Charge Day. The very first Dark Charge Day oh, they did. That makes sense. Oh, I wow! I forgot that was on. Sorry, Dark Charge Day for me was all about. It might have been like the first or second time I was at Braxton, so oh, it was all sick. about me just trying to figure out that place, <laughs> and and envisioning their future with uh, seltzers. Yes, so uh, we weren't talking a whole lot about it. So the barrel aged tin fitty, obviously, uh, it's a barrel aged imperial stout coming in at twelve point nine percent, seventy five IBUs, kind of high on your IBUs. Uh, the Brew Association. Or Bruce, why do I always say that? The Bruce, uh, I, I do the same thing. Beer Advocate score of 4.47 out of 5, so it is pretty high. Um, a, a lot of people give it the give it two thumbs way up. 
aged mm-hmm. through four seasons and from a blend of the top bourbons around, this tin fitty has morphed into a monster of cranked up flavor. Espresso, burnt sugar, rich chocolate, caramel notes are now driving alongside the vanilla oak bourbon from the barrel has uh, been smoothed out during maturation. All I can't can't agree more with all of which, that. Sorry, which four seasons? Vivaldi or uh, uh, Frankie Valley? Neither. The actual oh. seasons. Oh, okay. <sighs> wow, I went I went deep for that joke. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. That, I kept kind of like glancing at that as we were doing our tasting, like our the little write up we've got for it, and I was like, burnt. Like when Brittany was like, like tastes like like saying burnt in a good way. I was like, that's that burnt sugar. Yeah, and she wasn't really looking, like in case you're one, anyone wondering, she had to oh, yeah, get up no. and leave to deal with the baby. She kept looking at the baby. She was not looking ahead at the tasting notes. So it's like she's just basically naming the tasting notes, and it's like hitting them all dead on. Again, Casey, mm-hmm. I think Casey was right when he named Brittany a super taster. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that day. She she bent the knee in front of him. He pulled out his... Uh, his uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we going with this? Wart wand. Oh, okay. Dubbed her super taster. All right. Well, uh, to the uh, order to the order named her to the order of super tasters. Yes. Well, I think it's going to do it uh, for us talking about the Canarchy Can Collective. Uh, good, good, uh, good beers to be had from them. Kind of mm-hmm. like what's happening there. It was kind of I don't know shaky ground at first, and we're hearing about you know these companies buying up all these craft breweries. But when you dig in and find out, it, you know there was. And another craft brewery involved with the founding of all this and helping yeah, run the show. It, it makes you it makes you go, well, at least it's not AB and Biff. <laughs> Pretty much. <sighs> all, right. all right. Well, if that does it for us, then you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can also have a drink show on social media and Twitch. And uh, yeah, you can tell us your favorite drink or ask a general question. Uh, you can use, uh, you know, just general feedback works, too. Uh, you can do that at the email address, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can use the feedback page on the website where you'll find our store. You can find nice merch like hats and shirts. They're there. They're there, and they're nice. And I still feel they're bad because me and Brittany have yet to get our own. <laughs> it's just uh, I'm, I'm wearing mine now, and I feel comfy and uh, fulfilled personally. <laughs> does, it, does it fill that hole deep inside you? I mean, nothing truly fills it, but this at least covers it up. <laughs> it's a nice tarp over it. <laughs> All right. All joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. And you guys can, I would say, check us out next week, but it's up in the air as to whether or not the show next week because we're still homeless. So, I don't know. Uh, Unless we get an overwhelming list of people that say, no, Bob can do the show by himself. Yeah, yeah right Even in. then. Right in. Let us know if you think uh, it should just be the Bob show. He'll, he'll one-man it. But you can check us out here next time. And remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Uh, remember, once again, that was Brittany Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And we'll see you guys next time. Oh, Looking for a little flab and pickle.
Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>